Hello and welcome back to episode five of the Christians with Questions podcast. My name is Josh Fultz and I will be your host. And in this episode, we have a question about the consistency and the reliability of Scripture. Uh, This week, a listener asked this question. It was in response to a meme that was shared on the Christians with Questions Facebook page. And the listener notes that there seems to be some inconsistencies in the Old Testament. And they say, I think the main thing to take into account is the process of canonization. If interpretation is used for human purposes, how is the antiquity of the Bible supposed to hold up to scrutiny? Isn't it suspicious how after the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, there was a difference in biblical messages? For example, some texts appear in abundance, while others are not. And no matter what book, there were many variations. I think this could lead to picking and choosing what books and what versions were selected for the canon. So today we'll address that question and see if there are any inconsistencies and if what we hold in our hands, known as the Bible, is in fact reliable. Now to get us started, Isaiah 48 says this. It says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And so our question today is, can we trust that? And so what I want to do is look at the evidence that makes the Bible um, simply an impressive book. And not only is it an impressive book, uh, but it's practical as well. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4 that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus reminds us that we're meant to live according to this book, and yet so often we neglect it. And it's easy to do because we live busy lives. But so many people today believe that the Bible is an ancient book, that it's outdated, that it has little relevance for today. They say it was written to a bunch of ancient people. So how could it have much impact on today's society? A Christian by the name of Malcolm Muggeridge once said, All news, all new news is old news happening to new people. All new news is old news happening to new people. Nothing is new. The same problems and the same sins have plagued mankind from the beginning. Some things change, but the nature of man stays constant. But throughout the years, there has been attack after attack on the Bible. Some say it's just a bunch of stories. Some say it's filled with contradictions. Some say it's outdated. Some say that faith doesn't come out of reading a book. It's a personal matter. Some people say the Bible is unscientific, and the list goes on. But when you really take the time to look at the Bible... We find that not one attack waged on the Bible is truly significant. And so let's examine the impressiveness of the Bible and look at the evidence for the Bible. And so I want to start out with some external evidence. That is to say, that's evidence for the Bible outside of the Bible. And first of all, I want you to notice that the Bible stands alone in the world of literature. Just in modern history, it's estimated that there are upwards of 130 million books that have been published, and that number climbs and climbs and climbs. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12.12, the writing of many books is endless, but no other book stacks up to the Bible in many different respects. Uh, In one way is the Bible stands out in its circulation. The Bible has been read by more people in more languages than any other book in history. Uh, One book has been read more than 130 million other books. It's the best seller. Uh, The entire Bible is translated into over 400 languages with portions of it translated into roughly 2,500 languages. 
The Bible stands out in its influence. More books have been written about the Bible than any other book. There's commentaries, dictionaries, books about the customs, archaeology, and so on. The Bible has been quoted more than any other source. The Bible also stands out in that it has been preserved while under attack. Throughout history, nothing has been attacked more than the Bible. The way it has been preserved is honestly nothing less than supernatural. It has withstood the attack of man. No other book has been burned or banned more than the Bible. People have tried to eradicate it throughout history, from emperors to communist dictators. It makes one wonder why the Bible has been so attacked all through history. And it's under increasing attack today. You can go to any university and no one speaks ill of the Quran, uh, or no one speaks ill of the Hindu Vedas or even the Book of Mormon. But you don't have to go very far to hear someone attacking the Bible. Now, why is that? Well, it's because only the Bible claims to be a source of absolute truth. Many other religious texts claim to be a source of truth, but Christianity is distinct in that it claims to be absolute. Only the Bible convicts people of their sin. Only the Bible tells people that they are dirty and need to repent. And a lot of times people don't like that, so they reject the message. Uh, there was a Frenchman by the name of Voltaire that lived in the 1700s, and he stated that Christianity would be demolished within 100 years. Well, obviously that was wrong because here we are talking about it now. But he said that the Bible would only be a relic of the past. And I personally think definitely God has a sense of humor because it wasn't long before Volt after Voltaire's death that the Geneva Bible Society actually printed Bibles um, in the home of Voltaire on his own printing press. People that make their life about tearing down the Bible and Christianity, they're, they're not going against man, they're working against God, and that's certainly a futile endeavor. The Bible has also withstood the attack of time. Some say the Bible is too old. How can we know what was written is accurate? Surely it was passed down through the years and it got changed some. Well, let's look at some, some evidence on the, the manuscripts. We currently have more than 5,600 ancient manuscripts of the Greek New Testament. Some of those are complete manuscripts. Some of those are fragmented manuscripts. Nearly 10,000 Latin manuscripts and about 9,300 early versions from various languages. That's nearly 25,000 early copies of the New Testament. And that is incredibly impressive. No other ancient document even comes close to that. The next thing that comes close is the Iliad by Homer. Homer obviously wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey. They are Greek mythology, pretty significant pieces of literature. They've been translated several times. Movies have been made out of those. When it comes to the second runner-up, uh, the Iliad and number of manuscripts, we have 643 original manuscripts, and all of them are partial manuscripts. So the Bible outnumbers the Iliad by Homer at about 38 to 1 in originals. But if you talk to someone who studies ancient literature and you tell them, I doubt we have a reliable version of the Iliad by Homer, they would look at you like you are crazy. Of course we do, they would say. Well, if only 643 partial original documents are enough to have a reliable version, what about 25,000? So when people say, well, there's no way we hold the Bible in its original form. I think you can say, are you kidding me? We have nearly 25,000 original manuscripts. God preserves his word. 
And the scribes who copied God's word were very careful and meticulous. They had proofreaders who checked and rechecked. But as it was copied, it's true that there were some typos. Sometimes they would copy incorrectly, just like we have these blunders from time to time in modernity. So in these original manuscripts we have, sometimes there's what's called a variant reading, where two texts don't match up perfectly. If you were to you know, post a paragraph and you had a thousand people copy it, someone, if not several people, would make a little whoopsie along the way. They would misspell a word. They would forget a comma, maybe accidentally write the same word twice. Sometimes this happened during the copying of the Bible. So how do we check that? Well, you take all the other exact copies and you compare the messed up copy to it, and that's exactly what was done with the Bible. In the New Testament, less than 1% of the words in the New Testament are seriously debated. So out of the whole New Testament document, less than 1% of the words are debated whether we have an accurate translation. And of the quote-unquote mistakes made copying, not a single one of them affects any doctrine of faith. Again, God preserves his word. Now, I should say this because some people listening might get the wrong impression of me talking about mistakes in the Bible. Uh, I, I do believe that the Bible is inerrant, free from errors, but when we say that, we're talking about the original autographs, that is, the original documents that were penned. And so the manuscripts we have are copies made of that, and there were mistakes and scribal errors in the copying process. One time, I bought a Bible, and it had a whole chapter missing. So are, to, are we to say, well, God messed up? No, it wasn't anything God did. That would be the, the printing press just left a chapter out. And so sometimes scribes would make these errors. So God's word is an error, and we can be sure of what we have in our hands are the words that God wanted to say. And I think that is just tremendous. God has preserved his word. And that only makes sense because God wrote it for us to read so we can know who he is, we can know who we are, we can know how to relate to God. But God has preserved both the Old and the New Testament. Many critics of Christianity used to point out that there was a gap between the when the Old Testament was written and the first copies that we had available of it. It used to be that there was a gap between when the Old Testament was written and our first copies of about 1,300 years. That's a lot of time. With so much time between the first writing and our first copy, it was alleged that there had to be changes made in some of the Old Testament documents. Then this cool crazy thing happened. In 1947, there was a little shepherd boy, and he threw a rock into a cave and heard some crashing. Wondering what it was, he went and got some people, and they came back. They went inside to find all these documents stuck inside clay pots, and they pulled out 100,000 fragments of ancient documents, and they were pieced together into about 800 documents. And we know these to be the Dead Sea Scrolls. Many of these were copies of Old Testament Scripture. They found a complete copy of Isaiah that was 1,000 years older than the one we had. And I think God here is just like, boom, roasted. So they compared the current copy they had of Isaiah 53 to the one they found that was 1,000 years older. Now remember, again, critics said that the current copy had to have changed significantly. Isaiah 53 makes some of the clearest prophecies about Christ. So when they were compared, the results are staggering. Out of 166 words in that chapter, there were only 17 letters in question. 
10 were matters of spelling, 4 were style changes like conjugations, and the remaining 3 letters made up the word light, which didn't affect the meaning of the passage at all. So after a thousand years, there was only one single word in Isaiah 53 in question, and it doesn't affect the meaning of the chapter at all. Again, God wrote a book. He preserved it. You can hold it in your hand. It's a treasure. And so let's also talk about the fact that the Bible has withstood the attack of archaeology. Um, you're probably familiar with the name of William Albright. He died back in 1998. He was the greatest archaeologist of his day. And you should certainly read some of his writings. It is fascinating. But he said this, There can be no doubt that archaeology has confirmed the substantial historicity of the Old Testament tradition. People have repeatedly called into questions, names, dates, people groups, events, all found in the Bible. And later on we find discoveries that validate various names, dates, events, people, etc., that is some pretty impressive evidence for the book that we call the Bible. But that was just the, the evidence outside of the Bible. I want to look at some of the internal evidence as well to remind us of a few things. The Bible was written by 40 different authors um, over the span of about 1,500 years, people that come from different backgrounds. Now, if you put three guys in a boat and tell them all to share the same fishing story, you won't get the same story. But to me, it's amazing that 40 different people across the span of 1,500 years are all in agreement. And I believe that's because God wrote this book, superintended the process. Uh, the Bible isn't just another book. The Bible is consistent from Genesis to Revelations. But one thing people will say is that it's filled with contradictions. And, I, and I've had many discussions about this. But the next time somebody tells you, well, the Bible contradicts itself, one of my um, responses to that is to simply ask people where at or name one contradiction. And majority of the time when I ask people that, they'll stammer and fail to come up with even one contradiction because for most people that say this, it's just something that they've heard and they don't really have anything substantial to pull from because most people have never taken the time to really examine the Bible. But I've had people name supposed contradictions in the Bible and majority of the time, the contradictions that they name fall into one of the five categories that we're going to look at. And so let's briefly look at some of the supposed contradictions that people report. When people bring these up, generally, I just want to ask, have you ever read the book, first of all? Because a lot of people just haven't read the Bible. They just go off of what they've heard. And there's a difference in reading it and digging with it and wrestling with some of this yourself and then hearing what other people say. So category number one of supposed contradictions and message. Uh, some people will say, well, in the Old Testament it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but in the New Testament it says turn the other cheek. Well, that's not really a contradiction. We went from an old covenant to a new covenant, and so Jesus raised the bar on people's conduct in the New Testament. So this isn't a contradiction. Uh, right now I have a, a few rules with my son because of the age that he's at. But one day, as he grows, he'll be able to do more things, and I won't have to keep such a tight rein on him. Just because a message is updated does not make it a contradiction. And if someone presents a supposed contradiction, uh, for which you at the time of hearing that don't have an answer, go do some research and get back with them. Uh, I've been reading the Bible for many years, and I've yet to find a contradiction. Now, there may be an apparent 
inconsistency that we have to do some research on. But when you get down to it, I've yet to find a true contradiction. And by contradiction, I mean something that violates the law of non-contradiction, that it can't be both things at the same time in the same way. Another supposed contradiction in another category has to do with numbers. An example might be, well, Matthew reports one angel at the tomb of Jesus, while Luke says there were two. Now, I have never been a super great math whiz. Uh, That's why I didn't major in mathematics in college, but I've always known this. When there is two, there's at least one. Luke reports two. Matthew focuses on one. Again, that's not a contradiction. Sometimes me and my wife have discussions, and she'll say, you know, what did you do today? And instead of listing my whole day, I may focus on the highlights or a specific aspect of it. It doesn't mean that I'm lying and not telling her everything in my day. That just means I'm giving a specific detailed focus on one thing. Another supposed area of contradictions is in stories. One I have often heard is that Genesis 1 and 2 conflict or give two different accounts. Now, I would think if I were writing a book, I would be smart enough not to write chapter 2 to conflict with chapter 1. And seemingly, Moses is a pretty smart guy. Genesis chapter 1 gives us the chronological order of creation, and Genesis 2 elaborates on chapter 1 by giving detail. Genesis 2 focuses on man and woman. It gives us more detail about the event instead of telling us the order like chapter 1, so not a contradiction. Or another one might be Matthew 27 says Judas hanged himself, and Acts 1 says he fell and burst open. Isn't that a contradiction? Well, not really. I don't know of any anyone that has just fallen down and their body burst open. So it seemed that he hung himself, and that was the act of his death. But after deterioration of his body, um, it fell and burst open, and you know things spilled out. And then there are supposed historical contradictions. The Bible describes Jericho in the Old Testament. Well, people once said that such a place never existed, and then they found it. Modern people tend to think they know more about ancient times than the people that live there, and they're repeatedly made to look like fools over this. C.S. Lewis called this chronological snobbery, to think that we know better because we're you know, more enlightened. But what they wrote was what they saw. It was accurate reporting. And then there are supposed scientific contradictions. The Bible reports things like the sun standing still, or axe heads floating, or, or donkeys talking. And that doesn't seem to match up with science. But they are basing those arguments on natural laws that God established on earth to make things work. But here's the thing. If you truly believe in God, I mean, if you read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, well, surely God transcends these natural laws. That's what we call something miraculous, is God working around laws as they normally function. And I think if he created the earth from scratch... I think he can make the earth stand still or an axe head float or whatever else that the Bible reports. So the contradictions people come up with either show us that they have an axe to grind often, and sometimes they show us that we haven't read the Bible. Now again, I get it. I have come across things that have given me pause, and I was like, okay, this seems like an inconsistency. But the more I look at it and the more I read it, I'm like, okay, it's there's not an inconsistency here. I just had to do my research. Another impressive feature about the Bible is its prophecy. The Old Testament is jam-packed with prophecy that came to pass. Read Isaiah, read the Psalms, uh, Micah, Jeremiah, all the prophecies about Christ. There are 61 major prophecies about Jesus written hundreds of years before his birth. 
And that isn't just luck or coincidence. The probability of just eight of these prophecies being fulfilled by chance alone is one in 100,000 trillion. If you took the whole state of Texas, covered it two feet deep in silver dollars, then took a blindfolded person and told him to find the silver dollar with a red dot on it, one single silver dollar, that is the likelihood of all the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus coming true by chance. This is no normal book. It is more than impressive. And last, I want to talk about personal evidence as well. I think if people would sit down and read the Bible and have an open mind and an open heart, they wouldn't be able to help but be different. So what about our own personal experience with the Bible? Well, I think it impacts us. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we read it, it has power in our lives. When we approach it as we should, it has the power to shape us and transform us emotionally, to set us free spiritually, to demolish false ideas, to show us truth, to heal relationships. And so it impacts us. It also brings us comfort. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes we face difficult circumstances, but we can find comfort in God's Word. Um, the Bible is convicting. God's Word changes hearts. I have seen people drastically do an about-face um, after coming into co- contact with the Bible and being changed by its message. Um, the Bible frees us. John eight thirty two. you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Only the Bible offers grace, forgiveness, and redemption to live in freedom. And so the Bible is more than impressive at every level. And I think when we hold God's Word in our hands, we can know that this is truly the Word of God. Now again, this was sort of a just a cursory glance um, at the reliability of God's Word and some things to think about when we hold it as to be truly sacred and to be Scripture. You can dig so much deeper than this, but I just wanted to look at a couple of points to give us an understanding of the consistency of God's Word and the reliability of God's Word. And so I hope you have enjoyed this episode, and feel free to keep writing in with those questions. I've been surprised by the amount of questions that we're getting, so if you have a question, email us at christianswithquestionspodcast at gmail.com at christianswithquestionspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and ask us a question there. We will see you on the next episode. And until then, keep asking questions and keep digging in God's Word for truth.